We've been at Grassroots uh, in, a, in a long season so far, since September, preaching uh, and teaching and studying Jesus. He's the one who's our leader. He's our Lord. He's our master. He's the one who we follow and follow his ways. And so oftentimes, as, as Christians, as people of faith, it can be easy to lose track of Jesus as we kind of live our life, lose sight of who he is and who he really is. And we can start sometimes making him into anything that we want him to be, uh, to serve our own purposes. So this year, we're, we're covenanting to spend a whole year uh, studying Jesus, remembering who he is. And we've, we've done a lot of that so far, and we'll get into some more. I'm beginning a, a new section of this teaching um, on Jesus' own teachings, what he has to say. And, uh, all the, and so anyway, we'll get into that today. Uh, I wanted to begin today with uh, letting everyone know that this week I went to the dentists. Who here, okay, are, loves the dentist? Bless you, bless you. Uh, I'm not going to ask if there are any dentists in the room. That'd be awkward now. Um, I like I like dentists. Dentists are good people. They're helpful people. They're they're nice people. The dentist I went to was was really was really nice and courteous. But I hated it. I hated the whole thing. I hated the exposure. I hated the bright light. Uh, yeah, I have a little like a nice pearly smile now. But uh, the worst part for me when I go to the dentist is when they ask that dreaded question, have you been flossing? <laughs> and I used to sort of lie, you know, like, well, every once in a while, yeah. But this, this time the, the hygienist who was working on me said, so how's the flossing going? And this time I was like, I don't floss. She's like, yeah, I know, I was just testing you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and it's, it, I think the, the, the weirdest part, too, about that question and having that experience is they always are, they feel, they're always so disappointed when you don't floss, right? Like, they, they, it's like they take it personally or something, and they're fumbling around for the words, how can I convince you to floss? And you kind of nod your head, okay, yeah, okay. Would you like some floss to take home? Okay, sure, I'll have some floss. And you leave, I leave, just feeling like I've failed, like, I've just completely missed it. I've disappointed this authority in my life. And here I am now having to try to try again once more to floss, and it's probably not going to happen. And I was thinking as I was sitting there, I was like, I wonder how many people have this same feeling about meeting pastors. <laughs> it's like, how many people walk away from their experience with church or pastors going, oh, he's trying to convince me once again to pray or give money or to forgive my people who've hurt me. And okay, I feel bad. I'm going to disappoint this authority and, and we're going to try again. So, you feel that way around me? Uh, so as I was thinking about this, I'm, I'm realizing we're, gonna, we're, we're diving into Jesus's, uh, Jesus's teachings and we can really feel like that as we, as we read his teachings, as people remind us of his teachings, because they're hard teachings. Uh, and just to, just to put us, before we get into any of this, uh, we'll, we'll unpack this for the next five or six weeks here. Uh, but before we get into any of this, I just want to remind us where we've come from, because if, if, if we don't understand who Jesus is and understand his mindset and the way that he's, he's offering his teachings, sometimes we can really feel like he's just another authority figure who we're going to disappoint. And that's not the Jesus that we've been talking about. So 
First, we met Jesus at the beginning. If, if, if you miss any of these sermons, they're all podcasted, or most of them are podcasted. You can go on the website and find them all there to catch up. But we began talking about Jesus in his own history, in his own time, with his own customs, his ambitions. And what we, what we realized and what we, what we saw is Jesus, in his day and age, was more like a traveling political candidate who was on his campaign trail. That's how folks would have received him, would have received his message. And he's uh, um, more like a guy who's saying the God of the universe, his actions, his, his plan is coming to total fruition through me in, in Jesus' ministry. He's, he's the, the son of the God of the universe, the long-awaited heir of David. So not only do we see Jesus as like a kind of a political candidate trying to, on the stump, on his platform, we saw him as a healer. Jesus as a healer. And we saw that Jesus is after the full restoration of the world. He's, he wants us all to be fully whole, uh, healed in every part of our life, in our family structures, in our, in our bodies, in our emotions, in our memories, and all that makes us human He's looking for a full restoration. And we saw that at the heart of his healings, at the heart of his ministry, what we have is somehow the healing of the, healing of the human person is connected with repentance and the forgiveness of sins. That somehow the more that we hold on to the things that have hurt us or the things that we've done to hurt people, the more that we justify our behaviors and have a, a posture in life where our fists are up trying to defend ourselves from everyone around us and from God, even, even God, uh, how sometimes brokenness can just compound and brokenness can go on and on and we can pass it around to the world. And so Jesus is a healer and he meets us in our broken places looking for healing, looking to restore us. And, and at Christmas time, we, we gathered around this, this manger, and we talked about the specific kind of healing, specific kind of experience called joy, and how we can have this, this joy that, that hovers over all of our sadness. And we don't have to pretend that we're not sad. We don't have to ignore our sadness and our hurts, but we can experience a joy that sort of takes its home within our sadness. And that's the kind of healing uh, that he was offering here. And I'm so glad... I didn't plan this, but I'm so glad that we talked about Jesus' healing first. Because uh, Jesus, as we'll find out now, is one of the greatest te teachers in all of the universe. He was a rabbi, a rabbi of all rabbis. If you know the Jewish tradition, the rabbi is the great teacher, the one who you're going to go to if you have questions, if you want to find answers to your confusing, uh, confusing thoughts. If you want to find out who God is, you go to a rabbi. And so he's a rabbi, and his teachings aren't easy. They're actually very hard, and they're, they're very challenging. But if you set Jesus's if you forget that he's a healer after, after our healing, if you set his teachings just in, with, in a different context, you might think that he is just that d dentist who wants you to, to floss over and over again. He's going to be so disappointed if you miss the boat. But if he's a healer, if we understand he's a, a rabbi who's also a healer, we recognize that his teachings, his hard teachings aren't there to make us feel awful. They're there to heal us. 
They're there to, to bind us together, to make us whole, to help live our life in a way that brings healing to the world and not more pain. Uh, think about this. If, if you, I'm just going to go into this for, for a second. If you think about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, remember his teachings there? Uh, I, you've heard it said, you think, you think Moses was hard, you think the law was hard. You, you heard it said, don't, don't kill anyone. And everyone who's never killed anyone is feeling good about themselves. Jesus is like, it goes deeper than that. If you have anger, if you're angry, truly deeply angry at your neighbor, we have a problem. You're breaking, you're breaking God's, God's heart. And so let's deal with anger. And so all of a sudden we're like, oh man, how many times this week have I been angry? And if we didn't have the context of Jesus as a healer, we might think, He's going to go down and look, look down on us every time that we slip into anger and just be so disappointed with us. But that's not, that's not it. Jesus is after healing and wholeness, and he knows that the more that we hold on to our anger and the more that we just get lost in that and fuming anger, the worse it's going to be for everybody. So uh, Jesus is like, you've heard it said to love your enemies and hate your neighbors. That's, that's an easy way to do it, right? Love, sorry, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But he's like, he puts it backwards. He's like, actually, I want you to just start learning what it's like, not just to tolerate the people who've hurt you and that you hate and maybe have wronged you and taken away much of what you love. I want you to learn to love those people. And we're like, if we, if we didn't have Jesus as a healer, we might think, who, who, are you, who do you think you are? What are, you, what are you trying to say? So Jesus is a rabbi and a healer. And here's the thing, and this is what we learn. He's in love with us. He's curious about us. He's ready to listen to us. He's a good shepherd. He's someone that we can pour our heart out to. But he's also prepared to do what it takes to polish you and to mature you and grow you. And sometimes, sometimes what he brings us through and takes us through seem like they're the hardest things in the universe that we're just not going to get right once again. But this isn't what it's about. This is about our healing. This is about us and him leading us into a way of life, into a mature way of being, being where we're finally fully free. So here's two things before I'm going to, we're going to get into a parable of his just in a minute here. But here, here's the thing. Uh, as we go through these next six weeks, when you feel that, that shame that I felt in the dentist's chair, when you feel it, we'll all feel that when we listen to Jesus' teachings. We can't get around it if we're really listening. Uh, here's a, the thing about maturity and growth, the thing that I've found. Oftentimes, when we realize that we, we need to mature in a certain way, we need to grow, we recognize that uh, it's something that's hurting us and bringing us to others' pain. And we want to get out quick. We want, we want the quick fix to growth. We, so, and sometimes, in his, in his goodness, he does that. Sometimes he just snaps his finger and it's like, wow, I'm miles ahead. I've, I've brought my questions and my love to Jesus, and I'm now miles ahead of where I've been in my maturity. Sometimes that happens. But most of the time, it happens slowly and incrementally. And if we keep following him, we grow and mature over the course of months and sometimes years. And so... Let's understand that when we feel the burning inside of us to grow and to, to move, the more that we stick with God and let him lead, the more we recognize it takes some time. 
So uh, let's, let's grow incrementally. And also, a second thing about growth, and especially when Jesus' teachings start to make our hearts burn, that it's a bit personalized, too. Uh, we, we, we will all take these different teachings of his differently and at different paces. And so if you look at someone across the way and they start telling you about how they're growing and how it's, it's challenging them, or if I give a few examples up here about what growth looks like, uh, it might not be exactly what, uh, what, what you need uh, in your life to, to grow. I mean, what I, I, one of the things I do in my life is um, I do spiritual direction, which is I sit down with folks and I get to know them a bit and I take them and walk alongside of God as he leads you. Now, this is, not, this is different than someone who comes in and tries to give you the quick fixes and the answers. So what I'm saying to you is this. What I've learned about God is that if we want to grow, we stick with him. We stick with him at his own pace because he's the one smart enough to take all of our uniqueness and all of our unique challenges and to, to bring it to, to, to maturity. So um, I guess what I'm doing is like I don't want anyone to walk out of here like I walked out of the dentists, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, this, this stuff should encourage us. This stuff should uh, challenge us and make us grow. And that's the, that's the light in which we understand Jesus' teaching. So, uh, he's a teacher. He's the one that, uh, who, who we follow. And as we do so, as we listen to all of this preparatory stuff that I've been saying, we remember this psalm, and I think that's the prayer of mine for us all. Let us come and let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And what this means is this, that Jesus is for you. He's for us. He's the one guiding us and leading us. He's not against us. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to talk a lot about Jesus' teaching. A lot of what he said, what he, what, what he wants to teach us about forgiveness and addictions and money and God's character and devotion to God, simplicity and service and the hardest thing of all, how we all need to get over our selfish living. Uh, but we'll get into all that. Today I'm going to jump right into one of his more well-known teachings. And, and we know it as the, the parable of the sower. And here's how it goes. One day Jesus was teaching, and this is from Luke chapter 8. One day Jesus was teaching, and a great crowd gathered, and people from town to town, after town, came to him. And he spoke to them in a parable. So a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell on the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. And as he said this, he called out, let anyone with ears to hear listen. This, this is going to go on, but just a little point here uh, to make. Uh, Jesus oftentimes preached in parables, and parables are like Jesus' own way of trying to get a point across to those who may not be ready to hear it. A lot of his teachings, when, when people finally began to understand what he was saying, made people really upset and really defensive. And so in order to get past those defenses, he would... He'd, 
talking parables. And oftentimes, Jesus wouldn't explain his parables. He would just say it, and everyone would be scratching their head, and off he was to the next town. And this was his own way of teaching. And um, this is, there's actually a lot to say about this, but in this particular case, uh, his disciples were very curious about what, what this could possibly mean. Like, why are you talking about seeds and thorns and all that? And so they came and asked, uh, what did this parable mean? He said, to you, he said, speaking to his disciples, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But to others I speak in parables so that looking they may not perceive and listening they may not understand. And already we are confused. Jesus, if you are the king of the universe, coming to bring the best teaching in all of the universe to us, why do you hope people misunderstand you? I mean, that's a real question that we have to bring to him because uh, something in Jesus wanted to kind of throw people off a little bit. And, and this is why, I think, uh, knowing what I know about Jesus and having, having learned a bit about him, uh, there were lots of people who wanted to use Jesus. They wanted to use him for their own agendas, their own platforms. They didn't really want to learn from him. They, didn't really, they really weren't concerned about their own growth. And so they'd come to Jesus, they'd hear him, and they'd go, hmm, that's interesting, and on they went in life. But there were certain people, like his disciples, who were ready and willing to ask, Jesus, what do you mean by that? Tell me more. I, I trust you. I believe you. Tell, tell me more. I'm curious. And it's to those people, he, it's almost like he was trying to, to weed people out. Who are the people that really wanted to learn, and who are the people that weren't really going to listen anyway? And if, if you were the type of person who came and asked him, He'd always be ready for explanation. And he, he still is today. I, I put it to us this morning that if we have our questions, if we misunderstand something about Jesus or about our life, the best thing to do is go straight to the master and ask in prayer, God, what do you mean by this? What are you doing in my life? What, what's, what does all this mean? And he may not be ready to, to give it all right away because he's doing something, something that we don't understand, uh, something that's bigger than us. But here, Jesus tells his disciples, okay, thanks for asking. Let me, let me tell you. And he went on. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And you can see he's thought through this so well. The one on the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe only for a while. And in a time of testing, fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, these are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. But as for that in the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, hold it, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patient endurance. And you can see in his world, in his mind, he's thinking about maturity and thinking about how do we all get to that place we're the good soil. So here, here, here's, here's, uh, here it is set out for us. Um, the biblical scholar in me had to make a chart. Because, uh, you, you know, if you go and you, and, you, and you do the comparison between his explanation, it's like it's, it gets even, even tastier and richer. So I'm going to go through this just uh, briefly here, um, starting with showing you how uh, the path, the rock, the thorns, and the good soil. There's four different types of soils here that Jesus talks about. Four different types of soils. And the soils end up being our hearts. 
He's talking about the state of our hearts. What kind of hearts do we have? How do we, how do we experience that? Um, so he, he's, he's talking about personal growth. He's talking about uh, human freedom. He's talking about maturity. But before we talk about any of that, we have to recognize that Jesus, and this is so important because if you miss this, you, you miss half the battle, that Jesus is uh, coming from a long line of Jewish prophets, Isaiah being one of the, one of the main ones. And uh, when Isaiah speaks, uh, sometimes we hear Jesus. Isaiah lived hundreds of years before Jesus, but Jesus loved the prophets. He loved the Jewish scriptures. He, he probably had the mostly memorized the way that he, he knew them so well. And so uh, sometimes we recognize, oh, Jesus, you're talking about something Isaiah is talking about. Now, in Isaiah 55.10, we hear this. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And Isaiah, he's talking about seed imagery and yield and the word of God. And when Jesus says the seed, the sower, and the seed, that the seed is the word of God, all of a sudden our, our ears should start ringing with Isaiah. And what this means is that Isaiah's prophesying in Isaiah 55. He's proph- prophesying out and saying, God's people have recognized after hundreds and hundreds of years of following God and trying to follow God, that there's a real problem. And the real problem is the human heart. God's people who were supposed to be a light to the world, to teach them all God's ways, themselves got so tricked and wooed and drew in, the, the world drew, drew them in so much that they themselves had a heart sickness that they were there to heal. And so Isaiah is prophesying here. God's people know that it's just as hard as everyone else in the world to be uh, pure in heart and to follow God. And yet, Isaiah is prophesying, someday God is going to put his desires, put his law on our hearts, and there'll be a, a, a ruler, a leader to come to bring his, all of our people back together. He's prophesying the Jewish king here. And the Jewish king does nothing other than bring the whole world, everyone on every corner of the planet, into God's presence to be God's people. And so um, Jesus is coming and saying, uh, oh, by the way, in case you don't know, I'm not king. And there may be some in Israel, some of the religious people, who may not be good soil. They they may not be drawn in like I'm going to draw in everyone. And he's making distinctions here. Let me teach you about the heart and who the type of person is that I can make it into, um, into full maturity. So here we are, uh, sowing the seeds. Uh, the sower sowed the seeds. The seed is the word of God, this, this mysterious force in the universe, which is uh, God's word. It's bigger than the Bible. God, the concept of the, the, the word of God is bigger than the scriptures. It's God's very voice. The word of God, the uh, writer of the book of Hebrews said, is... Uh, living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. It's the very presence of God speaking truth and life into the world where there's brokenness and decay. And, and God is constantly doing this work, trying to bring people to him, trying to help them understand who he is. Now, some fell on the path. And the path are those who hear, hear God's word, 
who hear that stirring through their, their praying, through their living, sense that there's something drawing them to something more. And uh, the seed is trampled on. And the birds ate and taken. Now the birds, Jesus said, are the devil. And taking up means that the devil takes the word from their hearts, the things that they heard from God, and just takes it away uh, so that they may not believe and be saved. And we, we get this point, Jesus' point, that uh, recognizing the stirrings of our hearts, the way that God speaks to us intimately, the way God, the way God stirs us towards him and out of destructive living, that, that's the very thing that can save us. The very thing that produces our own salvation and our own wholeness and healing. And so much of, um, of the challenge is that there's these, these unseen forces out there, unseen beings that are there to remove that. And so if, if this morning, I mean, what we do with this parable as, as we read it is oftentimes we go, okay, which one am I? Am I the path? Am I the soil? Am I the, the rocky soil? Am I the thorny? And the answer is usually Yes. You know, where all of us are in all of them. But sometimes we find ourselves in each of these soils at different phases. And if you're the one today out there going, you know what? I know that I've lived a long time with stirrings. And they haven't amounted to much. And I'm still far from God. You might say, well, gosh. Uh, maybe, 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 I'm, maybe I need to do a little bit more uh, fo- uh, of focus on, um, on protecting the word of God. Like, what is, it, what is it that allows the negative forces of evil to take away the seed? It's, it's our own living into the, the evils of the world. I mean, what do we watch? What do we think about? What do we listen to? What do we, what, who do we surround ourselves with? All of these things can be portals for the devil to come in and take away the word. So maybe for you today, it's how do I just need to take the evil parts of this world and get them a little further away from my presence. So Jesus goes on and says, some, fee, some, some seed fell on rock, and these are those who hear the word and receive it with joy. They believe the word takes, takes a bit of roots and grows up quick, and they experience joy in the newfound freedom of God, but in a time of testing, they fell away. And the issue here, Jesus says, is that their, their roots didn't go deep enough. They couldn't get into that soil, that deep soil, which was nourishing. And if this is you today, if you're like, well, I became a Christian, and I got excited about God, and I was just like doing everything Christian-y I could. Uh, but when hard times came, when the testing came, I just felt like I've withered and died, or I'm withering and dying. This might be you today. Um, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or a follower of God for a long time or not, this is, we, we can find ourselves in different phases here. If this is you today, if you're like, I'm, I'm like that withered plant just about ready to die, what you need is you need more roots, Jesus is saying. You need your, your roots to go deeper into God's, into God's, uh, God's presence. You need his, his presence and at the same time to go deeper into your heart. How do you do this? How do you grow roots down? This is where I say the best way to do it is get yourself into some sort of discipleship group. Get into yourself into some community of believers who uh, are studying and learning about God and getting those foundations way down deep into, into, into the, the scriptures, into God's story, into the word. And uh, on Wednesday nights here at Grassroots uh, 
starting this week, there's going to be an opportunity from 8 to 9.30 to do some intensive discipleship. If, if you're looking to get your roots deeper, let me know. You have to sign up for it so I know who's, how many people to expect. So let me know or email me uh, or come up to me after the church and let, let me know if you want to be part of that. But that's a, a great, a, a great uh, environment to get some of those roots deeper so that when the times of testing do come, you don't fall away. So some of us are, uh, feel like we're on the rock, perhaps, the rocky soil. I think most of us, probably more often than not, find ourselves and point to the thorns. Some seeds fell in the thorns. And here's what Jesus said. The thorns choked, choked this person. And they're choked by what? The cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life. And the fruit does not mature. And I thought to myself, I was just wrestling. How do I, how do I unpack this? Because there's so much here. And this is so unique to all of our own journeys. You know, are, are we, do we spend too much time fantasizing about having all the necessities of life provided for us? Do you know... I don't know, sometimes I'm like, you know, it'd be great to just be rich and just to have like someone who cooks for you and cleans for you and gives every, everything for you. I can, I can uh, afford teeth whiteners so the dentist isn't, isn't upset with me. I don't know. Uh, it wouldn't it be nice if you, if you start fantasizing about all the things that make life truly good, like learning how to cook and enjoying food and... Um, uh, getting into the mundane, everyday tasks of life that just somehow when we uh, find ourselves uh, delighting in them bring so much joy in life to us and, 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 and bring us into to life rather. I mean, how many people, I, I know a few people who are just, people who are just have everything they want, everything they could ever need, some family back, back home, some friends back home. And, and it's like, they're some of the most unhappy people I know. Because everything's provided, yet there's some sort of hole left. And all the things that bring life are done for them. Um, and uh, I'm not sure what this looks like for you. To, sometimes this is like people get obsessed with all sorts of things. And I'm not going to go into it because it be, we'd be here all day to, to see if I could figure out what it, every person, how it connects with every person. But it's just a question that all of us need to take a moment to ask. And this, again, this isn't about shame. This isn't about making you feel bad. But it's about being honest. Like, what, are you, what are you worried about? What are the cares that just depress you and choke you? What is that for you? What are, the, what are the riches that you just sort of covet? Like, if I had that, things would, go, things would be better, or life would be better, or more people would like me, or what is it? What, what is the riches that, that you attach onto you? What are the pleasures? What are the things that you, that, that you eat or do that just bring you that pleasure uh, of life, that just have all the pleasures of life you can access to them? What is that for you that chokes you in the end? I'm not sure. I, I, I figure out. I know what they are for me. <laughs> and I'm just as challenged. And, and here's the thing. Uh, choking. What is, all, all, all I want to go into is this is Choking. What, is, what does the experience of choking feel like? Well, it's the, it's the very opposite of the word contentment. I think the word contentment really gets to what it feels like to live in a way that's not choked. It's deep contentment, which is, which is this, which is, you know, I wanted my life to be different. I wanted it to go differently. 
I didn't want my relationships to be this hard. I didn't want my story to end up the way it did. I didn't want to have to struggle for the things that I actually am struggling for. And yet, I'm okay. I mean, how many of us, instead of, you know, okay, so in my house, in my house, the water lines are all connected. So that if, you, if you're in the shower and someone turns on the sink, you get scalded. You know? Or if, if, if you're... Uh, if you're wanting to do a load of laundry, you have to wait until the girls are out of the shower so they don't get so upset with you. You know, it's like, and sometimes I can be so upset by the water situation in my life. I can, I can forget to think, I've got gallons and gallons of drinkable water that I can just bathe in. And that's okay. That's enough. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a silly example. But here's the thing. Uh, the deeper places, the places that hit us much deeper... What are the things that are, are unfulfilled or are in deep pain? And contentment is the ability to say to yourself, I didn't want that to happen, uh, but it's okay. It's okay. And the, here's the thing about the desires. We learn about the desires. Oops, we went off here. We learn about the desires of, uh, of our hearts. Things about the desires of our hearts is that um, usually at the depths, no matter how twisted our desires are, at the depths of our hearts, it's some sort of good goodness. Like the, our desires are based usually in what God put in there. Relationship, connection, provision, feasting, love. All that's good stuff. And our desire, way down deep, our desires, that's, that's good. Those are good things that God has put in us. But they get twisted and they get disappointed and they get filtered into this world. And it's the ability to say, you know what? Even though I don't have that, even though I didn't get that, even though it went that way, I'm going to be okay. And life is good. I'm glad for what I have. I'm glad for the life that's, that's been given me. It's, it's, and and I, I speak as if it's easy. It's not. It's, it's the most difficult thing in all the universe to get to a place of true contentment. It's Jesus uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he's ready to be killed. He didn't want his people to reject him. He didn't want his people to, to, to crucify him. He didn't want to be rejected. Uh, but here in Gethsemane, he's praying, Father, take this cup away from me. I don't want this. But then he turns that corner, that impossible corner almost. Yeah, but not my will, but yours be done. And that's the journey to contentment. And it's a journey, friends. It takes a long time. And I'm in my life, in the last couple of years, I've really been wrestling with this in my personal life. And I'm just beginning, it feels like, to turn a corner when the times I could just get so down on myself or down on the people around me, I can say, you know what? It's going to be all right. I'm okay. I've got a lot. I've got a lot to be thankful for. And you know what? My story isn't finished yet. That's contentment. That's where it grows. And this is where it goes. Well, yeah, this is where it goes. Well, yeah, no. This is where it goes. Good soil. That's good soil. Contentment is good soil. When you hear the word, you hold fast in an honest and pure heart, bearing fruit with patience and endurance. That's where we're all going. That's where we're all trying to get to is to this good soil. And um, Jesus says, holding fast in an honest and pure heart. This, if you know the Psalms well, this harkens back to a Psalm, I think it's 37. Uh, and, and he says, Don't, do not fret because of evil ways and evil people, uh, for, for they'll wither like the grass. But put your desires in the Lord, 
and he will, he will give you the desires of your heart. Put your hope in the Lord, and, and he will be there to protect you. I have not seen a righteous person begging for bread. This Jesus is back, in, back into the Jewish tradition here. Hold fast with an honest and pure heart. That psalm says, don't be angry, do not fret. It only leads to anger and pain. But trust your ways to the Lord and do good in the land. Uh, have an honest and pure heart. When you don't get what you want, when those thorns come to try to choke you, uh, don't, don't make all sorts of schemes to get those things. Just have an honest and pure heart. Know that your reputation and your desires are in God's good hands. And bearing fruit with patience and endurance. Patience and endurance. We're going to get into some though. This is just the, this is just the, the entryway into Jesus' teaching here. And um, what we're going to get into the, is this in the coming weeks. Uh, idolatry, market, consumerism, self-help, which ultimately adds, ultimately leads to poverty all around us. This is, these are the realities which, de- which we deal with. These are the cares and the riches and pleasures. And there's a trillion dollar industry out there right now wanting us to be choked. That's what we deal with on a day-to-day basis. Ask, I'm asking the question, Jesus, what is it like to be choked today? It's to let the, the forces of consumerism and market and idolatry and self-help, some self-help is good. I'm not just saying that we should get rid of the self-help aisle at, at, at the bookstore. Somehow, somehow self-help stuff is good. But a lot of it um, goes against Jesus' own teaching. So what's the, diff- what's, the, what's the opposite of idolatry? It's devotion to God. What is the opposite of market, which just wants us to consume and consume and consume? It's simplicity and service. And what's the, what's the opposite of self-help? Cross-bearing. And what this way of life Jesus is teaching, what this way of life leads into is treasure, not just for you, but for those around you too. Um, I'm going to not do that slide. I think it's enough. Jesus' way, it's a beautiful way. It's a way that brings true life and it cuts us to the core. And we're going we're gonna to dive into more of this in the coming weeks. Um, and it's, it's good. It's good stuff, uh, what Jesus actually says and actually teaches. So I'm not sure exactly, uh, as, we, as we've jumped into this, I'm not sure what strings God is pulling on your heart. I'm not sure what's stirring inside of you. Um, but usually when the word is, is spoken, when the word is, is given, his parable is spoken aloud once again, usually something happens in us. And we're challenged to uh, find our way to be good soil in true contentment. So whatever it is that God is nudging on you, perhaps it's something that he's been working on for some time, or maybe he's just going to begin a work in you to bring you to to maturity and growth. Uh, Whatever it is, my invitation to you this morning is to bring it to uh, the hands of God, to, to give it back up. When you stir, when God says something to you, the best thing to do is give it back to him and thank him that he is the God who completes and finishes all good things that he begins. And this is an opportunity for, you know, last, we'll do some, we'll do the communion here in the last couple songs. Um, This is a great time to respond to God saying, look, here's what I've, I think you've said to me, here's what's on my heart. I give this back to you into your hands to complete. And so whatever God has spoken to you, whatever soil you are identifying with in Jesus' teachings this morning, my invitation to you is to bring that to the altar here. 
take a piece of bread that symbolizes Jesus' body and dip it into the, the juice, which symbolizes his blood, as a way to say, Jesus, I'm yours. I am your follower. I am your student. I'm not just the ter- person who's going to walk away after being curious about what you have to say. I want to know. I want to know what it is to be really, really to be in your presence and as, your, as your disciple. And so uh, the invitation is to come up and, and, and to give that to God. And in your, in your singing and in, in the response time, last couple songs, let this be a time where you and God are talking back and forth, telling him who he is to you and bringing whatever he has spoken to you into his presence. So friends, the table is set and everybody here is welcome.